HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. With more than 30 weekly podcasts, HRN has something for every food lover. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. This episode is brought to you by Somerset County Tourism. Hear stories from local brewers and distillers from the New Jersey Sip and See Trail on episode 647 of Beer Sessions Radio, wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey there, and welcome to the Feed Feed Podcast. I'm Alexis Santos, a senior producer at the Feed Feed. The Feed Feed is the world's largest crowdsourced food publication and social media community, serving as your daily source for what to cook, bake, eat, and drink. Here on the Feed Feed Podcast, we are speaking with members of the hashtag Feed Feed community to hear their stories, culinary inspirations, and get some of their best cooking tips. Today, I'm so excited to be joined by Shannon Sarna. Shannon is a food editor, recipe developer, cookbook author, and mom of three. Her newest cookbook, Modern Jewish Comfort Food, just came out. She was born to an Italian mother who loved to bake and a Jewish father who loved to experiment and also a food chemist grandfather. So loving and experimenting with diverse foods is in her blood, literally. So Shannon, thank you so much for being here. I'm so excited to talk to you about all of these amazing things that you have going on. So thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. And like God only knows what's in my blood from like all the chemicals my grandfather was working in. That's probably- Literally. Yeah. (laughs) Well, what a like foodie background. I feel like you, everybody on both sides of your family were probably just like shoving food in your face all the time. Is that correct? I think when you're from any kind of family in America with like immigrant background, like they are all shoving food in your face all the time, right? So like- I'm from like Italian family on one side and Jewish family on the other. And everyone's just like yelling and feeding and guilting on all sides. (laughs) Guilting. Yeah. So yeah, I am Jewish in my family as well on the one side. And so I totally get it. That is exactly how it goes. So where did you grow up? I guess what is, let's take it back to the very beginning. (laughs) Um, I grew up in upstate New York, about an hour north of the city. And um, it was like, you know, kind of like just a nice normal upbringing and um, had a lot of Italian food in my house from my mom. Yes. And um, I spent holidays with my Jewish grandparents, which was like sort of my first exposure 
to, you know, Jewish culture and food. And to be honest, like I was, um, I was really not a fan of the Jewish food. My grandma, who is amazing, she's going to be 98 actually next week. Um, Happy birthday, grandma. Thank you. Um, She goes by Bubby Phoebe now. Um, Of course she does. Yeah. Yeah. She, uh, she's not a good cook though. Like a, I feel like a lot of <laughs> like Jewish, like a lot of my friends and certainly my husband, like, you know, they had these amazing Jewish grandmothers that were like yes. shoveling kugel and schnitzel into their mouths. Uh-huh. Um, that was, that was not her. Um, <laughs> her brisket was dried out. Her kugel oh was burnt on top. And, Aww. um, I know, but like, but she it's was a wonderful partner. grandma. So. Yeah, well, we can't win them all. We certainly cannot win them all. My grandma, my Jewish grandma, is on that side of the family. They're Jewish and British. Like, so my mom came here from London, and so it was not only shoveling like challah and all these things in our mouths, but also like tea. Like, she was always when we would get home from school, Aww. it would be like four p.m. and she'd make us like a cup of Earl Grey tea. My mom's like, the children are five; they do not need to be drinking Earl Grey tea at four p.m. So yeah, that was an interesting uh, background and combination there. So were you, did you have any affinity towards picking up these culture and food, you know, traditions from one side or the other, other than you're not really liking the Jewish food or what was kind of the deal there? I will say like, I really, I mean, like I was a kid who liked to eat, but I had like no, I, like I didn't really develop an interest in in food or like foodie culture or baking or cooking really until I was a teenager. Um, and like now looking back, it's like, oh, it kind of like makes sense how I ended up here. But at the time, like I didn't care one bit. You know, we would go on family vacations. And the first thing my grandfather would ask me who who did work professionally in food would be like, okay, but what did you eat? And I'm like, I don't know, grandpa. Like French <laughs> fries. Like, oh. Yeah, literally. Yeah, right. Like we like stopped at McDonald's and I was so excited to get a Happy Meal. I don't know what we ate. Um, <laughs> uh, but my mom was – I spent a lot of time in the kitchen with my mom and she did teach me to make um, like eggplant parm, which I loved, and mm. tortellini alfredo like my favorite. And she made a lot of like American mom food, like Mexican lasagna. And we always had like a taco night with those like crunchy shell tacos and shredded lettuce. And I don't know, I like, I just was kind of like a normal kid around food growing up. Um, But then actually my mom passed away when I was a teenager. I was 16 and I had to start like feeding my brother and sister who were much younger than me. Um, And uh, that was when I was sort of like, oh, shoot, like I better figure this out. Like I would call my friend's mom and be like, I need to make a hot dog. Um, What do I do? Like I really had no idea. So it was sort of like really establishing some like very base um, understandings of cooking and like it really my interest sort of like grew from there over time. And like I think food is an expression of love. And for me, that's probably really where my love of cooking started was through the act of feeding and loving my siblings. Cute. Okay. Oh, well, what a story. So did you learn any of those like Italian recipes from maybe like your grandparents? Or I guess I'm trying to figure out like at what point it became, okay, I want to I want to learn how to cook all this Jewish food, basically, just based on the <laughs> based on your cookbooks and like your life's work. I'm, I'm trying to see where you chose that fork in the road, essentially. Yeah, there's, there's a there's a big jump, right? Yes. Um, 
I'm trying to, I'm trying to think how to explain it. I, it actually, I mean, it really started with challah baking. I, I am a, okay. I think bread is like my, you know, I feel like every, every person who loves to cook and bake has like one thing that really speaks to them. And for me, it's bread and dough. Okay. So Interesting. I, that's like the most complicated one. <laughs> I, but like, okay. And I can't, like if someone – if I was like going to go um, – if I had a competition to make a hard-boiled egg, like I would probably fail every time. Oh, my God. That's hilarious. Like, eggs are my thing. I Like I can do eggs, but <laughs> baking is hard. Um, so I started baking challah kind of like on a whim, and I really just fell in love um, with getting good at it and just kept doing it over and over again. And I, I did start that sort of like as a late teenager, picking up some – cookbook on my mom's shelf and trying challah and having no idea what I was doing. But that was really the entry point for me um, into baking more seriously and then also exploring Jewish food myself, you know, as somebody in the kitchen. Interesting. So that's kind of funny that it like barely came from your Jewish family. It was like a random cookbook that your mom had pretty a, much. A little, I mean, a little bit. Look, we went, you know, we were, we grew up, you know, outside of New York City. So we- Right, we, of course. We went to the deli. We went to yes. Ben's in Queens where my aunt lived. And I did like have a lot of exposure to Jewish food. And the older I got, the you know, the more people I sort of learned from. But um uh yeah, it was it was a little bit random. The yeah. thing. Yeah. <laughs> that is not what I would have guessed if like you asked me five minutes ago to guess, like, oh, why do you think she started you know, all these Jewish cookbooks. That is definitely not what I would have guessed. So thanks for uh, keeping me on my toes. <laughs> I'm, I'm, good. I'm glad. What else, what else can I keep you on your toes about today? Then? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. So you, you made the challah and then you got really, obviously you lived in New York. So you had a lot of experience with this cuisine and I'm sure you went to plenty of, you know, bar and bat mitzvahs and kind of were surrounded by it. Cause that was kind of my upbringing. Um, you know, in South Florida. I grew up in South Florida. So like New oh. York light, New York light, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah. <laughs> um, it was, it's basically the same, you know, I, most of my friends now are, you know, New York Jews. That's just the way we all kind of found each other through life. And um, it's funny because I have such a, a very similar upbringing from growing up in South Florida, except instead of just going to bar and bat mitzvahs, we also had the quinceañeras. Mm. So it was more, it was like, you know, Jewish Hispanic fusion of an upbringing versus just, you know, I feel like up in, I don't know if you were in Westchester or where you were upstate, but it's more like Jewish Italian. Yeah. Yeah. So it is very similar and I totally get the vibe. Yeah. But, um, so that makes perfect sense. So then when did you, now you're a food editor and a recipe developer, like this all, like this turned into a profession for you. So how did that happen? I'm still like struggling. I need I need to like have a workshop on like how I succinctly explain like my trajectory. You know, <laughs> yeah. I feel like some people have like a very straight path in their career, and they know early on that I want to do X. Um, but I think in part because my mom died when I was a teenager, that I was kind of finding my place and where I wanted to end up professionally. Um, but it was really through the avenue of you know um, being in the digital media space. And um, I was work I was a communications manager for um, a philanthropic foundation in New York cool. uh, when I about fifteen years ago, and I was starting to work with some of our um, smaller nonprofits on storytelling online and using social media to connect and to share what the work that they were doing. And I kind of discovered that I really loved 
just like social media and the strategy mm-hmm. around it and started doing more work in that space and also writing more. And I, it, it sort of coincided with being um, a newly married person who was baking and cooking you know, increasingly more and more. Um, so those sort of those things were sort of happening parallel. And then um, a couple of years into me, um, not even a couple of years, like I, I started keeping a personal blog. And then this organization called myjewishlearning.com approached me and was like, hey, do you want to come over and blog for us? And I was like, well, yeah, I'm doing it for free now. So getting paid for it sounds better. <laughs> yes. um, and that's when the site that I run now was born called The Nosher, which was uh, just 11 years ago. And um, now we're like a full-fledged you know, food site with a big social presence and all of that. So it was sort of like adding little by little by little or like using my skill sets and experiences to sort of enter into this food media space. Interesting. Very, very cool. So yeah, I mean, you and I both are, I mean, I'm in food media as well. So it seems like we have kind of similar, a lot of foils to each other um, as we go through this crazy thing called life. And so when did you decide to start working on the cookbooks? It was also sort of like by chance. Um, I had been just like experimenting so much with challah because like I said, I loved it, right? So I was trying different shapes and stuffing and sweet fillings and savory fillings, also really pulling from, you know, my Italian background um, with like some rosemary and garlic challah or sun-dried tomato and, you know, kalamata olives, you know, sort of like some Mediterranean flavors and combining them with challah. And um a friend of mine who works in food mentioned it to a book agent and the book agent was like, hey, I think that could be a book. And um, we met and then I started writing a book proposal. And um, that was probably about – I can I can always date it by the ages of my kids. So <laughs> my daughter's like six and a half. So it's probably about seven years ago that I, that I was working on a book proposal for my first cookbook, Modern Jewish Baker. My goodness. And so – and then the second one, how long was it in between the first and the second? Yeah, it was Probably a long time. Probably based on another kid. <laughs> like, yes, kind of. It was a long time. I, it's, uh, I'm sure, you know, from, from your work, you know, other authors talk about how much work it is to produce yes. um, a cookbook. So um, I needed a little break. And it's, it's you know, it's so, much, it's so much work and so much time and effort. And it's, it's an investment. So um, there's... Two thousand five years in between the two of them. Oh yeah, you needed that. Plus, you're raising kids, and like I assume, still working. Yeah. So like a lot. <laughs> yeah, like a yeah. lot on your plate. So yeah. no, I totally get it. And so, how does it feel to kind of have these cookbooks of yours out in the world? I know from other people I've spoken to, it's like a huge, huge undertaking. But to like have those physical things kind of immortalized for you, how does that feel? I th- I think. Um, it's it's a it's a mixed feeling because I feel both proud of the work that goes into producing a cookbook um and also always like nervous that you know when you're putting something in print you're putting something in writing like this that you know you really want it to work and you want people to like it so I have this sort of like I don't know a little bit of like anxiety all the time maybe that's just like my neurotic Jewish energy yes of, like when someone tells me that they loved the recipe and it worked and it was meaningful for them in some way. I'm so happy and relieved. Um, And then if something doesn't go well, oh my God, I'm like riddled with guilt. And then I have to go back and review it and and find out what 
um, what went wrong. And of course, Jews are, um, you know, they tell me exactly what they think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's no holding back. They're like, well, you know, this one. <laughs> oh yeah. 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 I do. I do get that a lot, but, um, thankfully as, as an editor, you know, we get a lot of feedback in emails and so I have a thick skin and I, I try to, um, I try to let it brush off, but, but honestly, I think that, you know, as a working mom of three kids, you know, working on these books, basically in my free time, you know, I feel very proud um, of how much work goes into this. And yeah. I think people see the end result and it looks beautiful and they don't see all of the times I, you know, had to say no to social things, had to neglect my children, had to stay focused, had to stay home from vacation last summer to, you know, recipe test and oh. and make sure I was on track for meeting my goals. And um, I, I always feel like, I want to say that out loud because I want people to understand like it's not easy to to pull this out, you know? No, it's just not. And like, you know, I have interviewed plenty of cookbook authors and I feel like every time I do, it's it's almost like the the birth control of like someone who has crazy kids where I'm like, you know what? I think I'm good. I don't know if that's really something I need in my life. So definitely kudos to you for like pulling it off not only once, but twice with kids. <laughs> <laughs> like I just cannot even imagine how much that took. So like I congratulations, first of all. And like, yeah, it's just so cool that with everything you have going on, you're able to kind of like share these recipes with the world and something that's, you know, obviously very near and dear to your heart yes. and kind of getting more people kind of cooking these, these foods that you and I grew up with, but yeah. not many people did. So it's yeah. super cool. That's so nice. And I think that that analogy is so accurate because when people will be like, okay, so are you going to write another book? And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You know, um, it's kind of like after you've given birth and they're like, okay, are you going to have another one? And you're like, I, I need to wait before I uh, I have any more kids, you know, or I, like, I, yeah. I got to just like, let me rest from this one first, everybody. Right. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. No, I get it. So, I mean, incredible. All right. We're going to take a quick break and hear from our sponsors. I'm Jimmy Carboni, host of Beer Sessions Radio on HRN. I recently hosted a live podcasting event with local beer and spirits makers from beautiful Somerset County, New Jersey. We spoke on the farm that is home to Flounder Brewery and Belmar Distillery, one of the most beautiful stops along the Sip and See Craft Beverage Trail. To me, those two worlds, brewery and distillery, are extremely complementing businesses, especially in a unique location like this. So it immediately helped this become a destination to have a great experience, whether it's the beer atmosphere we've got going here on the old barns or the great experience you can have in there with these incredible cocktails that are created there. It's complementary to each other. You can have two completely different experiences all within a 10-foot walk from each other. Before the event, I was able to tour the area and see the historic Bridge Tender's house along the serene DNR Canal walk the bike and hiking trails, and take in the lush farmland. Then we settled into the centuries-old Dutch barn turned brewery for a lively discussion. It was always important for us to create our space, our livelihood that we want to share with everybody else, of being a community-centric location. It is what makes us a brewery in this state different from a barn or restaurant. Um, you know, we're obviously family-friendly here. Um, we have a lot of different groups that have their meetings here during the week. We just really want to become a community hub. You can listen to this episode of Beer Sessions Radio 
available wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks again to Somerset County Tourism for supporting this episode. Learn more about the Sip and See Passport Program at visitsomersetnj.org. That's visit S-O-M-E-R-S-E-T-N-J dot org. And so how does your family, I guess it's your dad's side of the family who is the Jewish side, how do they feel about this kind of becoming your life's work, basically? <laughs> uh, I think my family is very proud. Um my grandma certainly is is very very proud of me, and it gives her you know something to talk about with all of her friends and mm-hmm. um, share share this. And um, my my daughters are very proud too. I mean, they're ten and six, so they they do talk about my work and they Aww. say they say cute things. So that's um, adorable. Yeah, yeah, and my and my in laws too. My really our extended families are they have mostly nice things to say about that part of my life, <laughs> Unless they, yeah, whatever they don't say to you is, you know, that's up for debate. I mean, that's true. I have no idea what they're saying when I'm not around. So anyone's guess. Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. And have your kids like taken up any interest in like cooking or learning how to cook from you? Oh, absolutely. All three of them love to be in the kitchen. Um, my oldest is a very adventurous eater. In fact, we just took her on a dumpling crawl in Chinatown. Oh, my god! Something she's been wanting to do for a long time. She's really into Chinese food specifically. Um, my what middle favorite? She loves Xiaolong Bao, actually, are her oh, favorite. Me too. Oh, me too. Um, I think we need a, a, a dumpling date, Alexa. Yes. Yeah, we need to do a dumpling crawl collab, me and your daughter. <laughs> she would be very into that. Oh, my God. I love that. But even so my three-year-old son loves to cook, and he's been um, – my father-in-law has taken up tuna fishing as a hobby, which is, I mean, just crazy. But so Jude pretends to catch tuna, and then he marinates it and puts it in oh. the fridge. But not like his little play kitchen fridge, actually like my fridge. So – there's always like a play fish marinating in some like cloth lettuce pieces. <laughs> so mom, no, that's my tuna. It's marinating. So yeah. That is so cute. And you said he's three? He's three. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. That is incredible. Like so when my be- kids are in therapy one day and the reasons will be like, you know, all the weird food related things that, you know, I, I exactly. on them. Yeah. Or the more optimistic view is that he becomes like a super renowned chef or something. And then you can say like, oh my God, you've been, you know, pretending to marinate tuna since you were three years old. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Very good point. And then I can be the proud Jewish mother saying that. Exactly. Yeah. And full circle, full circle moment for everybody involved. That is absolutely adorable. So outside of the, you know, I know, personally, just because I work in food media as well. And I know obviously you have a lot on your plate with that and recipe developing and being an editor and with your cookbooks. What outside of all that, what does normal, I guess, cuisine in your household look like? Like, what do you, what are some of the things that you like to cook at home? So I was, um, a friend stopped by last week and I was packing up some like Trader Joe's frozen mini pizzas for my kids. She (laughs) was like, I'm so happy in this moment to see this is what you're making for your children. Um, (laughs) when I'm not recipe testing or it's not a holiday, um, it's kind of like, you know, it's like a mixture. I love bread baking. So when I have the time, I really, I love to be making sourdough, um, and challah, of course. Those, those are two loves of mine. And, um, 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 
we love like, you know, Indian inspired curries and I'm kind of like a um, meat on the weekends person. I try to keep like mostly vegetarian during the week, but um, you know, it's, I think I'm kind of like a pretty normal mom cooking during the week. I set a menu on Sunday and plan it with my kids. And we usually have one fish night, one vegetarian night. We make a lot of pasta. So yeah, I'm kind of just like boring and and normal, I think, in that regard. (laughs) I mean, I am myself as well. And I do a lot of takeout because I get sick of, you know, making and filming recipes during the week. Yeah. Um, So I totally get it. It's people ask me all the time, like, what, you know, what's your favorite thing to cook? I'm like, I don't know anything. That's easy. (laughs) Or when people cook for me, like I feel like people are intimidated to have me over, but I feel like it's the opposite. I love it when people cook for me. I'm so happy to be welcome into someone else's meal and, you know, I'm not judgmental. I I would eat mac and cheese out of a box too. So yeah. Of course. Yeah, absolutely. I, yeah, I just get, I totally get it. We're like at the end of dealing with food all day. You're like, you know what? Let's just, you know, microwave something or yeah. let's order something in cuz yeah, that's that's enough. <laughs> I made an English muffin pizza the other night for myself Yum. for dinner and it was just so good. That sounds delicious. Also like the the matzo pizzas during Passover. <laughs> those are always weirdly good too. My kids do love that. Yeah. Those are like oddly delicious, like a nice pizza bagel vibe. Um yes. ooh, that's kind of what I want now. <laughs> That's so funny. So where do you kind of hope to see your career evolve to at this point? Would it be, you know, more kind of Jewish food books or evolution in that way, or maybe different cuisines? Like, where do you kind of hope to see yourself? I mean, I think that my editor and I would disagree uh, on the answer to this. I, I, (laughs) (laughs) I, you know, I'm a mom. So like, I love exploring how families eat and how to expose kids to different types of cuisines, um, but I, but I am, I would, I would bet money that I will continue to explore the Jewish food space, and I feel very proud and honored to to be in there because you know I have amazing colleagues and the work is important. You know, passing on not just the recipes but the how tos, right? Mm-hmm. We don't live in like multi-generational houses anymore where you're in the kitchen with your grandmother or your uncle or your cousin who shows you how to cut the cabbage or how to pleat a particular kind of dumpling anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, what I what I do hope to do with the recipes that I create and the books that I put out is to help pass on the traditions and recipes and stories and also instill a sense of confidence for people to continue to make these recipes in their kitchens and pass down these recipes and tell the stories of of this Jewish food because it really does tell the story of the Jewish people and where we've been and how we've, you know, survived and thrived. Yeah, absolutely. Totally agree with that. And it's very, very cool that you've continued to be able to do that in such like a tangible way, literally, like you are sharing this in books. So um, which of the recipes from your books are you the most proud of? Or is that like asking you to choose a favorite kid? No, I, I feel I, I would I could never choose a favorite kid, but I <laughs> definitely choose a favorite recipe. For, okay, good. <laughs> for me, the 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 favorite recipe in both my books is the one that took the most time and effort to master. Um, for Modern Jewish Baker, I what happened was the editor was like, okay, so we want to do a chapter on bagels. Can you make bagels? 
And I was like, absolutely. And then I went home and was like, okay, now I need to learn how to make bagels. And I yeah, that was yeah, <laughs> right, totally. Um, and a week after week after week, I just tested tested bagel recipes and tweaked and um, until I got it right. I wanted them to look and feel like a New York bagel and that anybody could make it in their kitchen no matter where they were, right? Like there's this myth that like it's the New York water that makes these amazing bagels and pizza. Um, But it's it's really not. You know, it's so much about the ingredients and the time and the process and how, you know, hand rolling them. So that was so important to me. And then for this book, actually, I think that my favorite recipe is the Georgian Kimkali, which are sort of like a cross between um, a kreplach and a shaolong bao, actually, because of where Georgia sits. There's a lot of Eastern influence in the spices and and um, flavor and and technique. And um, kimkali are dumplings that are sort of pleated on top and are a, a little bit brothy when you eat them. And um, I uh, I spent week after week also really working on the consistency of the dough and learning how to pleat them and then trying to translate that, you know, for the audience, you know, for them to feel like they could do it. And um, it's probably the most complicated or uh, recipe in the book, but it's really fun to make and really, really satisfying. And I just think dumplings are so universal. Every culture has their dumplings. So it's really fun to explore you know, different kinds of dumplings. And and um, when I got this recipe right, oh my God, I was so excited. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that sounds hard. So <laughs> props to you for figuring that out. And the bagels too. Like, yikes. I, I, I've seen those like weird, not weird, but when you see those kind of like weight lossy sites that are like two ingredient bagels and it's just like Greek yogurt and flour basically. And you're like, that can't be good, right? Like, am I crazy? <laughs> but I I respect you for figuring those out. Those do not sound easy <laughs> at all. At all. Um, those bagels do. I don't know. Sometimes I'm like, hmm, I don't know. Maybe should I try that? I mean, I know when it tastes the same, but, you know. We're, I guess it gets the job done. I don't know. <laughs> when you're living in New York, you know, you just, you just go down the block. You get a good bagel. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, I guess that's what people are trying to – yeah. come up with is like yeah. how to make them at home in an easy way that's not like super, you know, labor intensive and it's I guess relatively healthier because it's got Greek yogurt. I don't know. But are you I, yeah, are I, you are you like are you have feelings about scooping bagels or Ooh, good question. Um, I mean, I personally don't. I don't really see the reason. I mean, I guess it's what to remove some of the bread, but then it's like just don't eat a bagel, right? But <laughs> Yeah, that, um, that that's generally my feeling also is like, you know, it bagels are they're carbs, just like enjoy the carb or don't eat it, you know. But yeah, exactly. Just like eat a salad or like, you know, eat the egg salad on this. I don't know. So <laughs> I've never done it, but I'm not, you know, I who am I to say? No shade against anybody who does. If you're a bagel <laughs> scooper list, listening to this, I apologize, but I personally don't really get it. But I do think that's kind of like a I don't know, maybe like our Jewish mother's generation thing where they like thought carbs were super bad for yeah. you and they were like drinking slim fast and like <laughs> all the, like those good old That's days. That's like the opposite of like your last meal on earth, right? Like what's your last meal? Like the meal you don't want for last is like a scooped out bagel and a slim fast. Literally just like 90s like horror stories of <laughs> – Growing up with, you know, Jewish mother, aunt, etc. That's why it's better to grow up with an Italian mother. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's very, very fair. That's incredibly fair. 
<laughs> and and you got you got the best of both worlds. So yeah, it it all worked out. <laughs> well, was there anything else super important about your culinary journey, your cookbooks, um, your goals that I didn't ask you about yet? No, you're so fun. I want to talk to you for a long time. Um, Forever and ever. No, 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 I appreciate it. And I honestly, I also really appreciate the opportunity to talk a little bit about like life as a working parent, writing a cookbook. I feel like sometimes people are, you know, miss that part where it's like, oh, this is, this is actually kind of hard to do. So (laughs) just kind of hard, just a little hard. Yeah, yeah. Just a little difficult, just, like not too big of a deal. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Nothing to fret about. Well, thank you so much for like sharing your background and everything that's like gotten you to where you are and everything that's inspired you to do what you've done with your career. And it's like super, super cool and awesome. I know like I'm going to tell my mom about you and she's going to be like, that's so cool. So um, yeah, very, very, very cool and inspiring. So I appreciate you sharing that with me and the anybody who listens to this. <laughs> Thank you. I'm excited to be able to share it. And I really appreciate your time and the opportunity to be here. You bet. Thank you so much for listening. To learn more about the food and drink discovery platform that is The Feed Feed, head to thefeedfeed.com. If you have a food story to tell or want us to interview a blogger, cookbook author, chef, or restaurateur, we would love your suggestions. Just send us a DM on Instagram. See you next time. The Feed Feed podcast is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. Keep in touch at heritageradionetwork.org slash subscribe.